Are you ready for the Word today? Grab your source for Scripture, your Bibles. Turn with me to three passages of Scripture. We're going to look, first of all, at, e at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. And Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Again, those three passages of Scripture, Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Chapter 6, verse 12. And... Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I want to talk to you today about activating your faith. In fact, I was telling Pastor Josh and your leaders yesterday in Branson that I feel like the Lord has given a word to me today to release over this community of faith this morning. I'm praying that God will prepare your hearts for that that near the end of the message, just to be able to speak a word of faith over you that will continue what your pastor talked about earlier, a shift in the atmosphere, a change in the spiritual climate. I believe that to see that happen, there has to be an activation of faith. How many realize today that we all have faith? Every one of us has faith. We have natural faith. I'll explain this way if I can give you a couple of examples. A natural faith is the ability to sit down in the chair that you're sitting, sitting in currently. You believed that chair would hold you up, and so you sat down in that chair. That's a natural faith. A natural faith is going to Starbucks or a coffee shop, and you put your order in, and you have a natural faith that what you ordered will come back to you, that it will taste uh, somewhat like you're expecting it to taste. A natural faith is walking out of the sanctuary today to your vehicle, taking the key in your hand, putting it in the ignition switch, turning the ignition switch, and you have a natural faith that your vehicle will start. Hopefully it has started most of the other times, so you know that it will probably start today. But I want to talk to you more about the activation of your spiritual faith. Because just as we have natural faith, we also have spiritual faith. And there are some keys, some spiritual keys that allow us to place those specific instruments or tools into the spirit of our lives and ignite our spirits. Those keys will allow us to activate our faith and propel us forward in our trajectory toward God. So it's important this morning that we understand what those activation steps and those activation keys are. Because I don't know about you, but I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. I, I want to activate those things in my life that will catalyze reformation in me and through me. So we're going to look at three passages. And I think these three scriptures are key to understanding faith. In fact, if you'll grab a hold of them, I believe your spiritual journey will change. Step number one, verse number one, Hebrews 11 and 6. Let's look at it together. In fact, would you read it with me? It's on the screen in front of you. But without faith, let's say it together, but without faith, 
it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, that's his existence, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's sovereignty. Right here in this first verse that we're looking at, you're going to see all kinds of activation steps. Activation keys. It's filled with activation. How do we develop our faith? Well, we come to God. We believe in God. We seek God. And we please God. If you want to know how to develop your faith, we, we see it right here in this verse. We come to God. We believe in God. We seek God. We please God. So if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, the first step that I want to talk to you about is the idea of elevating your faith. In fact, would you say it after me? Elevate your faith. Say it one more time. Elevate your faith. You've got to hear what you've said to see what you've heard. I want you to hear it in your heart. Hear it as you speak it. Activation deals with elevation. And let me say this to you very quickly, that sometimes the greatest obstacle that you will face in elevating your faith is your faith. Your biggest challenge will be you, will be your faith, whether it's discouragement or expectations have not occurred as you were expecting, situations of life have come along that have caused you to perhaps become discouraged or disenchanted, sometimes the greatest obstacle to elevating your faith is your faith. So what do you do when you are a parked car, a spiritual car parked in the driveway of your spiritual life? What do you do when you are stuck in a rut? What do you do when your situation has outgrown your skill set and you don't have the skills to get out of your problem? What do you do when you feel like you're the gum on the bottom of someone else's shoe? What do you do when you don't know how to get out of a, a situation and, and your faith is the obstacle? It is the mountain that is facing you down in your life. Because I tell you, you don't need faith when everything is going well. You need faith when everything is not going well. You don't, you don't need faith when the sun is shining. You need faith when the storms are raging around you. You, you, you don't need faith when the, the eggs of your life are all sunny side up. You need faith when the eggs of your life are all scrambled together and you don't know how you're going to get out of the mess that you're in. You don't need faith when you're having a blast in God. You need faith when the devil's blasting you and you can't see the next day in front of you. So how do you get out of a situation when you're stuck and the obstacle is your own faith? Well, let's define faith. I think a good definition for faith is the idea of activating your belief system. The activation of what you believe. I think that's a great declaration. 
Because sometimes we believe, but we don't activate. Let me give you the example. Let's go back to what I used in the beginning. You may believe the chair that you're sitting in is going to hold you up. But if you stand up the whole service and you never sit down, have you activated what you believe? You may believe it, but unless you sit down, you haven't acted on what you believe. There's a lot of things that we believe in, but we don't activate it. We don't activate what we believe. We can believe that Jesus will forgive us of our sins, that he will provide forgiveness to us. But unless we speak with our mouth the Lord Jesus and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead and confess our sins before him, it's only a belief. Come on, somebody. You may believe that God's going to give you a better job. But unless you send your interview or resume out and you do some interviews, you merely have a belief. You haven't activated your faith. You, you may believe that your next door neighbor is going to get saved. But unless you start praying for your next door neighbor and get up out of your seat, your couch, and walk over and meet your neighbor and talk to your neighbor and share your faith with your neighbor, you can believe your neighbor's going to get saved all you want to, but it's still merely a belief. So there's something to be said. You, you say, well, you're talking about faith without works then. Well, I know that when we come to Jesus Christ, we, we come by faith alone, that faith we're not working our way to salvation. But I also will tell you this, the devils believe. So even when you believe God, or believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you still, the Bible says, have to confess with your mouth your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. There has to be some kind of activation of what you believe on. I'm not talking about uh, uh, works. I'm talking about an elevation and an activation of your faith. There has to be something that happens that you are, are elevating your faith in a situation. So I, I want you to grab a hold of that. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Faith is activating something that you believe. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I like to say it this way. Faith is not a feeling, but a decision. It's a decision. I don't always feel Jesus. I walk through the day. I talk to the Lord through the day. Come to church. In fact, there are sometimes I come to church and I don't feel Jesus. The hairs don't stand up on the back of my neck. I don't sense doodads running up and down my spine. There are times that I come to church and I don't feel Him, but I don't follow Him by what I feel. <laughs> hey, 
I, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It's, it's a decision that I've made to follow him. Some people think that, that transformation comes when your situation changes. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Transformation comes when your decision changes. Your, your, your situation is not always going to change. But you can make a decision to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus, to activate Jesus in your life. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. Faith is not a feeling. It's a declaration. I, I think we declare in faith. Let's go back to the verse I was talking about, Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Isn't it interesting that the sequence of that verse seems out of place? It doesn't say, have you ever thought about it? It doesn't say that if you will believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth. No, it starts out by saying that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and sometimes belief will happen simultaneously with confession, but there are also times when belief will show up late. Because I can tell you in my own life, there are times that I look at some mountains and I'm declaring and confessing some things when my belief hasn't quite showed up with my confession. Oh, don't miss your transformation moment. Because sometimes you're going to speak to some things and your belief in that result hasn't showed up yet. You're going to say to the mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and, and, your, and your belief is still thinking, I just don't know quite, I'm not quite sure if that's going to happen, but because faith is not a feeling and it's a declaration, you are saying to the mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall be done whether your belief system has shown up or not. Come on, somebody. Because your situation will be shouting one thing and it will be saying, not going to get out, not going to figure it out, not going to get out of the mess you're in. There's no way over the mountain. There's no way under it. No way around. But while your situation is screaming, your faith is saying, but I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Your situation will say, no, 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 no. It's a black hole. You're not getting out. It's too dark. It's too dim. There's no way out. But your faith will still be screaming, oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. And blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Your situation has a way of showing up and saying, you're going to look like a fool. you you're going to look like a fool before God. You're going to look like a fool before other people. But faith will shout out and say, without 
faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm going to come to God. I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to please God, and he's going to bring me out. So sometimes you'll have to declare things when your belief system hasn't quite arrived. And you'll say, but, but I just call it like I see it. Well, that's the problem. That's what non-Christians do. They call it like they see it. I've already quoted the verse, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't need faith if I can see it. <laughs> I just call it like I see it. Yeah, I don't need faith to call it like I see it. That's not what I need. That's not what faith is about. Faith is calling it like I don't see it. Come on, you're going to miss your transformation moment. There's sometimes you're going to have to speak things and call things that you don't see. What's the difference between people who are exceeding in God and they're experiencing incredible blessing in God? It, some people, it's the ones who continue to hold on to what they see compared to the ones who are holding on to what they don't see. I want to I fit in the latter category. I want to believe in some things that I don't see. I want the substance of what I don't see. I want the evidence of what I don't see. I know the blessing that God has for my life. You know the blessing that God has for your life. So don't settle for allowing your faith to become the obstacle in your life. Start speaking to things and declaring things because you've made a decision to elevate your faith. Come on somebody and give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Never forget as we move to the second verse, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. The eye-opening experience that that God gave to me when he showed me this verse and it's the second key I read this verse, and, and I want you to go ahead and read it with me. This is the King James Version. That you be not slothful. Come on, say it with me. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I'll never forget when God looked at me and said, you're never going to experience the fullness of my promises in your life until you overcome slothfulness. And I'll tell you the truth, David, I, I got mad at God. I was a little frustrated. And I said, God, I don't understand what you're saying to me. You know that I have given my life to serve you and follow you. Caring for people, loving people, doing my very best to serve you. Writing books, providing resources, coaching churches, doing missions all over the world. And, and and, and you're saying that I'm lazy and that I'm not going to experience the fullness of your promises unless I overcome my laziness. And then the Lord said something that just took me out. He said, I didn't call you lazy. I called you slothful. 
So I, I grabbed the Greek and I looked up the word slothful because I wanted to understand what slothful, slothfulness meant. No thrust. Look at the definition up here on the screen. Put that up. Describe something that is monotonous and unexciting. Something that has lost its speed and momentum. Something that is moving with the same velocity. <laughs> Completely different than lazy. So God was telling me basically that I was a same-speed Christian. That's what I call it. Do you know how many people are same-speed Christian? Monotonous. Traveling at the same velocity. Doing the same old, same old. Never accelerating their pace. Never really exceeding in their spiritual lives because they're just doing the same old, same old as they've always done. Get up out of the same old bed, eat the same old breakfast, go to the same old workplace, spend time with the same old people, get in the same old car, go back the same old way to the same old house, eat the same old dinner, get in the same old bed with the same old spouse and get up the next day. Same speed Christians who are not accelerating in their faith. Not increasing their commitment to pursue the exceed life in God. And I'm telling you, God began to just, begin to just focus on that in my life and say it's time to get past the spiritual rut. It's time to have some passion it's time to accelerate your spiritual journey. It's time to elevate your faith. It's time to activate what I put in your heart and my promises. It's time to move past the same old, same old, going the same old speed. I fly a lot. And I'm telling you, I know things, weird things I see in my head sometimes. But I'm flying and I, I get on the runway of, a, of this, this, this plane. We're getting ready to take off. And I'm thinking, here's this plane. We're headed down the runway. What happens to a plane? You're on the runway. It begins, to, it begins to head down the runway, and it reaches a point where it accelerates its speed to the point that it lifts off and experiences a brand new dimension. Mm. It's called velocity escapability, <laughs> where it reaches a point of escapability and experiences a brand new, oh, somebody's getting ready to have a breakthrough moment, where there's a brand new dimension that happens and that plane takes off and lifts off and experiences the heavenlies like we were singing about this morning. Something goes on in the spiritual realm when your pace begins to accelerate and you begin to activate 
great your faith in God and he moves you past the same old, same old into a liftoff moment and you have velocity, escapability in the spiritual realm and something changes. Hallelujah. I'm talking about overcoming slothfulness. I wish God would have just said that I was lazy. But we've got to move past the same old, same old. And if you're looking for a, a second key, you're going to understand why I'm saying this now. The second activation key is you've got to execute the familiar. If you're, if you're going to experience velocity, escapability, you're going to have to execute some things in your life. Some familiar things. Habits. Some detrimental habits. Some harmful habits. I'm just going to name, name a few this morning. Executing some harmful habits. Now, habits, some habits are good. Some are not. Habits that deal with discipline are good. Tending God's house is a good habit. Opening your Bible is a good habit. The discipline of practicing God's presence, good habit. Exercise, losing 70 pounds, good. It's a good habit. There are some things in our lives that are great, but there are other things that are detrimental. Some habits have to go to experience what God has for us. I'll tell you one harmful habit, and that's living in the past. It's a bad, bad habit. Because the experiences of your past can pollute your promises in your present. Some of us like to live in the past for different reasons. Some of us love to live in the past because we think of the past as our glory days. Oh, we, we did some amazing things in the past. Glory days. This last year I turned 50 and so I, I went kind of down memory lane. Pastor Chris, I was just thinking about all those times that, you know, when I was in my 20s playing college basketball and all of those things that, and you know, I was a legend in my own mind. I mean, I really was. I, I knew I could walk onto a basketball court and there were times that I could take over a game. Back then, I was quick, shot the three. I mean, there were, there were times I was a two-guard. I, I, I think back to those times. I think back to my last high school game against our crosstown rival and, you know, hitting two free throws with four seconds left in the game and triple overtime and having my team carry me all over the gym and the cheerleaders kissing me on the cheek and all of this. I was a legend in my own mind. You know, sometimes we look at the past and we glory in the past because we look at all the good things. Of course, we forget all the struggles and the turmoil and the loss of loved ones. And Some of us live in the past not because it was good, but because it was bad and it's still attached to us. So because of all the negatives 
I mean, we had some really bad experiences in the past, and they've just kind of attached themselves to us, and we can't get past the past. We're just dragging the past behind us. So for us, it's not about the glory days. It's about the gruesome nature of the past and the negatives that have happened. But you, you can't experience what God wants you to experience if you're living in the past. Impossible. Another harmful habit is isolating ourselves. It's a, it's a, it's a bad habit. Because when we separate ourselves, we position ourselves for atrophy and death. It's like taking a coal out of a grill when it's red hot and it's glowing and setting that coal off to the side. And all of a sudden it cools down and it becomes ashes and charcoal gray. It's no longer hot because it's isolated. It's what happens when, when we isolate ourselves from our spiritual trip with others. Pastor was talking about the importance of the cross. Not just reaching up, but reaching out. You'll know the difference if you stay out of church for just a few weeks. You'll, you'll know the difference. Because you won't be as red hot. You won't glow. You, if you isolate yourself from God's people and God's presence worshiping together, you'll, you'll notice the difference. It's a bad habit. Don't do it. Another bad habit, and I'll just talk to you a little bit about this. This, was, this one's a little tough, so I uh, hope the air is still in the room when I'm done, but executing familiar harmful relationships. You know, there are some people who are going to hold you back from liftoff. Now, listen to me. Don't hear what I said. I didn't say execute people. I know there's some of that going on right now. I, I'm saying execute harmful relationships because some people are going to be the box people in your life. And you're going to want to try to get out of the box and they're going to want to drag you right back down into the box. I call them the boat people. You know, Peter's getting out and walking on the water and you've got the rest of the boat people who are scared in the boat. They don't want to experience the next dimension that, that Christ has for them. They don't want to get out of their familiar comfort zone, get out of the boat and walk to Jesus even if it's in the midst of the storm. So they're comfortable in the boat, the boat people. And they'll stop you. They'll try to stop you from experiencing velocity escapability. They will. I call them the yapping dogs sometimes. I was running the other day. I like to run two or three times a week. And, you know, maybe I should start a, a pave, pavement walker group or something. But I was out running the other day, and I was running by uh, down the street, and all of a sudden I heard these two dogs go, I mean, I about jumped out of my skin. I wheeled around, and I looked, and there were these two big dogs. One of them was a Rottweiler. And I about, I about came unglued. But when I wheeled around, I noticed they were behind the fence. So I just turned around 
And I kept on running. And I just heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me that still small voice. You don't need to be concerned about the yapping dogs. Because they're in a different dimension. Come on, you know where I'm going with this. They're, dogs don't bark at parked cars. They bark at cars that are moving. When you start accelerating your pace and you start moving forward in your relationship with God, you're going to have some yapping dogs that begin to bark at you and yap at you, and, but they're not in your dimension. Why should you allow someone who is in their now dimension stop you from going to your next dimension? You should not Allow them to stop you. Stop looking at the boat people. Stop looking at the box people. Stop allowing the yapping dogs to stop you from experiencing velocity escapability in your life. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking to yourself right now, well, what if those boat people are my family or my spouse? Or my boss. Please don't leave here saying that Pastor Wayman told you to sever the relationship that you have with your spouse. Not what I'm saying. You may not be able to sever, but you can set guidelines. And you can establish parameters even with people who are the closest ones to you that will keep pulling on you and dragging you down, you can set parameters so they don't stop you from experiencing the activation of your faith. Can I get a witness today? Last verse. And then we're going to close. My fam familiar verse, favorite verse in all of the New Testament. It's what Exceed International was birthed out of. As we coach churches across the country and around the world and just an amazing verse. Come on, read it with me. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. I love this. And the third activation key really has to do with this verse. And that is expecting the above the above. So what do we have? We elevate our faith. We execute the familiar. And now we expect the above the above because that's who God is. When we think we have the above, He goes abundantly above. When we think we have the abundantly above, He goes to the exceedingly abundantly above. Just about the time that we feel like we've got God all figured out, He loves to go to the next level. Our basement thoughts or our penthouse thoughts are His basement thoughts. We look at that verse and it says, here, here's the key. Right now, I just want to speak that. I'm not talking about the next. I'm talking about the now. Present adverb. Right now to Him. Now to Him. Because God's promises in our lives are all about him. It's about Him getting the glory. It's about God 
getting the glory. It's about experiencing God in the now, right now to Him. I love that about my wife, Kimberly. She is a right now person. She lives in the moment. I'm the one who is always concerned about the next. I'm thinking about next week. I'm getting my calendar together for next month. I'm thinking about the bills that need to be paid next month. I'm thinking about everything that's getting ready to happen next time. But my wife, Kimberly, she's just reaching down and picking a flower. Isn't that so beautiful? So wonderful. She just stops and smells the roses and and I'm racing here and there and everywhere. marvelous. The other day we're, we're driving back from Concord last weekend actually when I was preaching in the Bay Area in California and, and we saw two rainbows. One coming out of San Francisco and, and one coming right before the grapevine as we, we come into Los Angeles. And she was amazed as if it was the first time she had ever seen a rainbow in her life. Honey, look, it's a rainbow. It was an amazing sight. What I'm trying to tell you is I wish, wish some of us were just a little bit more willing to live in the now. Because God has so much for us to experience. If we'll just so much in His garden, if we'll just stop and smell the spiritual roses and experience what God has for us and love what He's doing right now at Christ Point Church and love what He's doing right now in our families and love what He's doing right now in my life and just now to Him who is able to do... Do you realize that? That God is able to do. That our everlasting God is able I mean that He's absolutely amazing. That He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, and everything in between. That He sits on the earth's circumference, using the earth as a footstool. Do you understand how great our everlasting God is? That He measures the heavens with the span of His hand and holds the seven seas in the palm of His hand and set the earth 93 million miles from the sun and set it spinning on its axis 66,000 miles an hour and we don't even feel it moving. Do you understand how everlasting and great our God is that He reached down and picked up some dirt on the ground and breathed life and it became a living nephesh, a living soul, our everlasting God in concert with Himself. God the Father in creation. God the Son in redemption. God the Holy Spirit in regeneration is able to do anything. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. The above, the above. That's incredible. That He can go beyond our wildest dreams and thoughts, anything that we could ask or imagine. I love those words in the Greek. The word 
ask, anything we could ask. It's actually a Greek declarative which talks about commanding God, which messes with my theology. Because I don't believe you can command God to do anything. I believe you can request for God to do something. And that in His sovereignty, He chooses whether or not He will respond to that request because He is sovereign. That's why sometimes people are healed, sometimes they're not. That's why sometimes things happen that we pray for that don't don't come to pass because sometimes He says yes and sometimes He says no and sometimes He says wait. He's sovereign. So I can't command Him to do anything. But the Bible says anything we would command or think. It's, it's the Greek word which talks about impress or impression. Anything, any impression that we could even think up in our mind. Any, anything that, any imagination, any impression, anything that would impress us would make God laugh. Doesn't even impress Him whatsoever. He can do exceedingly, abundantly above if we could demand Him. If we could think up something that would be totally unimaginable and infinite, He can still do exceedingly abundantly above it. And here's the important part. It's according to His power. I know the, the version says the power, but we know whose power it is. His power that works in us. Do you know how that takes the pressure off when it comes to activating our faith? It takes all the pressure off. I like to say it this way, when it's according to His power, I don't have to manufacture success. And I can tell you, I am a high energizer bunny, high capacity, get it done leader. In my leadership book, if there's a will, there's a way. So I can tell you that's the kind of leader I am. But when I understand it's according to His power, I don't have to do it. It's simply His power working in me. I love that. I used to preach, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I used to preach that. I stopped preaching it because I realized it was false. I realized, I realized it really wasn't true. It wasn't biblical. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. It's not true. Because I don't have to believe it or not. Whether I believe it or not doesn't make it true. God said it. That settles it. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the tipping point here. I'm not the one who makes it true. I'm not the one who manufactures it. If, if God said it, that settles it. I don't know about you, but I, I've come to the point where I just don't believe what, what God is doing. I believe what God is saying. I'm not just believing that, that God's going to do it. God's been doing it. I'm believing that what God says is true. If God said it, 
That settles it, whether I believe it or not, because it does not depend upon me. It is according to his power working inside of me and in you. And here's the other thing. When it's according to God's power, somebody else's mess is not going to mean anything. It's not going to even factor into what's going on in your life. Look at this. When we live according to his, his power, we're, we're not, it's, it's somebody else's mess. We're going to stop living in that because it's not dependent upon them either. Now, I know some of us feel that way. Our spouse made a dumb decision, maybe lost his job or her job, so now we're living in that mess and we're trying to figure it out and and it's reaping consequences in our lives, and somebody made a mistake. You know, our kids have, have made some bad mistakes, so, so now because of that, we're having to clean up the mess and kind of work through that, or our boss makes a dumb mistake, so now we're having to work hours that we didn't want to work and do things that we didn't want to do, and all of this stuff is going on, and we think, well, now God can't do what he promised us because we're living in the midst of somebody else's mess. Well, I've got news for you. Somebody else's mess is not going to change God's plan for your success. Just ask Joseph, who ended up in his brother's pit in Potiphar's house and Pharaoh's prison. It didn't stop God from doing what God had promised in Joseph's life because it's according to his power working in you. We feel that way. We feel like because of, of somebody else's mess or even our own mess that we've disqualified ourselves from experiencing the exceedingly abundantly above. I'm telling you today, activate your faith. I'm telling you, make a decision to elevate your faith, execute the, some of the familiar things in your life, begin to walk in what God has for you, expecting the above the above, to experience some things you've never experienced before. You've got to see some things you've never seen before. You've got to walk in some things you've never walked in before. But you say, Pastor, you don't understand the mountain that's in front of me and the obstacles that are in my way. I'm telling you, those things would not even be there if God wasn't doing something in your life. In fact, if you were a nobody, you wouldn't have a mountain. But because you're a somebody, the devil's trying to take you out, put mountains in your life. Don't see it as a disadvantage. See it as an advantage and a compliment of what God is trying to do in, in you and through you. Hallelujah. That's what we do. We look at the mountain and we think it's impossible and God says, you know what, instead of running for cover, don't you understand I'm doing something in your life? You're going to be victorious. Just activate your faith. Bow your heads with me this morning in this place as we come to a close. I'm calling you to action this morning. Activate your faith. I'm asking you to do the Word. Let there be no dissonance. No dissonance between hearing and doing the Word. I'm asking you to elevate your faith today. Some of you, you've, you've been stuck. You're just the same speed, slothful Christian doing the same things and you haven't elevated your pace. You haven't accelerated your pace. It's time you begin to pursue God with 
Your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength activate what God's put in you. Some of you need to run toward God this morning. It's not away from Him. I, I want to I ask you today, some of you, you, you're, you're, you feel separated. You feel like there's some things between you and the Lord. Some walls, some, some obstacles between you and God for whatever reason. You, you, you know you need to turn around and run toward Him. You need to get out of the boat and walk on the water toward Jesus. Just activate your faith. I'm talking to you. Some of you need to rededicate your lives to the Lord this morning. It's time to pursue Him. I'm, I'm just going to count the three, and I want you to respond in kind as a response of faith. I, I want you just to lift your hand. If, if you want to run toward Jesus, you feel like there's distance. Sometimes sin is seen as goodness and badness, when in reality it's just distance from God. Some things are keeping you from God. You're holding on to them. You're living in them. You're distracted by them. Instead of pursuing God with everything that you have, those things are controlling you rather than giving them to God. So right now, if that's you, and you know you need to either commit your life to Christ for the first time or rededicate your life to Christ, this is your moment. One, I'm speaking to you. You're just going to respond in faith. Two, this is your time to confess your sin, to run to God, to pursue God. I'm speaking to you right now. If this is you, I want you to lift your hand. Three, let me see. Hallelujah. I want to ask you right now, everybody in this auditorium, just to pray this prayer after me as a prayer of rededication. And those of you who lifted your hands, please pray this after me as well. Everyone right now together, Lord Jesus, we come to you now. I run toward you, not away from you. Forgive me of my sin. I want to draw closer to you. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to activate my faith. In Jesus' name. When we give God praise this morning, we just bless Him. Hallelujah. Everybody stand with me across the auditorium. Pastor, just going to release this word over the church and you as a representative. Just sense the Lord speaking. In fact, even, even before I came this weekend, as I, before I flew in on Saturday, these, these words were just in my heart, in my spirit. God was saying, speak, release a word over Christ Point Church. And I just release it over the church today. That something is shifting in the spiritual atmosphere. Some have thought this is the end of what God had. That just moving to this campus and what's going on right now is the end. But I sense the Lord saying that it's just the beginning that you haven't even shot out of the starting blocks yet. You haven't accelerated your pace. You're getting ready to experience what it means to run. To experience velocity, escapability. The wind of the Spirit. 
some will not experience the glory of the latter house because they're stuck in the glory of the former. But the Spirit of the Lord would say, don't listen to the yapping dogs. Don't listen to the ones who are saying, I remember when. Because those who are stuck saying, I remember when, will not experience what God has for the now. You execute the familiar things and you will experience the future, says the Lord. You run and you will not grow weary. Allow me to move you from the glory of the former house. The glory of the former house is releasing you into the glory of the latter house. Activate your faith and watch what I do in your midst, says the Lord. Can we give the Lord praise today? Now here's what I want you to do before I turn the service back to pastor. I, I want you to never view getting into your car the same again. When you leave today and you walk out and you get in your vehicle, car, your truck, your SUV, and you stick the key into the ignition switch and you turn on your car and the engine lights up, begins to roar, I want you not only to activate your physical faith, I want you to activate your spiritual faith. And I want you to declare with your mouth, Lord, I'm igniting my spirit in Jesus' name. I'm declaring whatever it is for you, I'm declaring that my family will be saved in Jesus' name. That they're going to come back to you in 2017. I'm declaring, Lord God, that You're going to heal my body in Jesus' name. I'm declaring that You're going to heal my spouse and my kids in Jesus' name. God, it's not a feeling. I'm simply igniting my spirit. I'm activating my faith. I'm believing You, God, that 2017 is going to be a year of liftoff, velocity, escapability in my life. Ha! Hey! Hallelujah! I'm believing you, God, what you're going to do at Christ Point Church in 2017. That we're going to see something miraculous. That, that people are going to come from the north, south, and east, and the west just to be saved and healed and delivered in the name of... I want you, when you get in your car, not talking about just today, you get up and go to work in the morning throughout... I don't want you to get in your car and see it the same way again. Activate your spiritual faith and see what God begins to do in the fulfillment of His promises in your life. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank You for this divine exceed moment here at Christ Point. I thank You for Your people, that they are receptive and they are hungry. I thank You that Your Word will go forth and bring forth fruit worthy of repentance and worthy of harvest. I pray these things today in faith believing and in faith receiving. And everyone who agrees says amen.